You are here at the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino, here with you on a Thursday. No. Friday. No. That's when they're going to hear this show, my friend. We're on a podcast. This I understand that. You can't lie. You can't lie to me. We're not necessarily <laughs> here the day they're hearing it. Come on, we're man. Take you into your weekend. <laughs> you know what I used to like, Amal, as a kid? Um, when CBS you know, kickoff show, the NFL today would come on and it would always start off with Brent Musburger um, going, you're looking live at Soldier Field in Chicago where the Chicago Bears, the seven and one Chicago Bears take on the Minnesota Vikings. That stuff used to get me hype. You know, you, you know, I have to tell the audience, nobody can do voiceovers like this guy. I'm telling you, if you want to hear people, a guy do different voices, you have Chad do them for you. <laughs> I'm going to have you do John Facenda someday, so you're going to have to practice that one for the audience. Oh, so yeah. For the audience, you all know who he is. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, that's a shame that they don't get that either. Yes. You know? It's a, just a real big shame. But anyway, um, we've got some things to get to today. Uh, I need to go on a little rant, Emil. It's been a while since one of us have done that. I'm going to go on a little rant. I already did today, but... I'm going to bring it here to the Gridiron Stud Show. We got to talk about the college football playoff committee and what they did last night. Feelings they hurt. We got to talk about that. Um, And a certain coach that you and I have discussed before. I don't want to just quite say the name, but a certain coach that should probably be on the move here. Um, After this, after this season is over, we'll talk about that. We'll have our halftime segment. We'll aim. We'll ask me the question that you, the fan, uh, want to know about. I'm a quasi-expert, I guess, in this area. Don't ask me anything about anything under the hood with a car. Not going to get a good answer, but um, <laughs> on what he's coming on, I think I might have a good answer for you. Um, Aaron Rodgers. He picked a fine week to catch this COVID thing. Where was that last week when I was sitting there in Arizona hoping for the pack to go down? But You, you know, we're a lot alike. You're, you're like me. I'm not proud. I don't care if he plays or not. Yeah, I just want the win. <laughs> Give me the dub. Give me the dub. It's all about playoff positioning. A certain wide receiver is a wall. We'll talk about that, and then you know the unfortunate thing that went on yesterday with the Las Vegas Raiders and Henry Ruggs. We do need to touch on that. There's a message there that I think both of us would like to give out. You know, when you're, I don't want to. You know, everyone's affected by this. Obviously, you feel some kind of way about it. But when you're our age, um, it's time for us to play. To play dad for the little yes. uh, younger ones that are out there. And of course, our picks, one of us is doing really well. So I'm glad I'm glad that person is here today uh, to help out our fans with you know their weekend menu. But before we do all of that, as always, if you're joining us now on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, go ahead and hit the subscribe button right now if you haven't done that already. We want to see you here every week. Don't want you to miss any of this good stuff. So um, go ahead and do that right now. If you want to reach the show, if you're on Anchor, you can leave a voice message. You can do that. Or you can email the show, cwilson at gridironstuds.com. You can follow Emil on um, on Facebook. Is it Meta? What, what is it, Meta? What is the name of that? Oh, yeah. What, what, he's giving it all. I don't know what he's doing. Okay, Honestly, for a guy God, who's worth $80 billion, man. he Come confuses on, the hell out of me. 
we both lived in this country and we've been around for a while. You know, we've always seen those businesses that have gotten sued and then suddenly they changed the name. Um, you sold that rotten piece of meat and like everyone got sick, so you changed the damn name. So, hey, Food Lion never did that years ago. They just kept being Food Lion. They didn't care. They obviously didn't give a damn. <laughs> you can't get bigger and badder than a lion, so where else are we going to go for it? Can't be Food Kitty. <laughs> meal cat it meal cat yeah yeah it couldn't go that route so food line it was but um yes follow amo on facebook soon to be called something else e-m-i-l-c-a-l-o-m-i-n-o good follow if i don't say so myself um and then uh on you can follow me on twitter <laughs> i gave i gave some people a good joy there today uh on twitter whether it's tiktok twitter instagram all the same at gridiron studs Come check me out there. All right, let's jump into this. Emil, I've got a rant, my friend. Already got this in today. But um, as you know, both of my boys went to the University of Florida. So, um, you know, Quincy was there for three years, Marco four years. For seven years, I've watched and cared more about Florida football than I ever had before. Um, and it's not just Florida, but right now it is. It's, it's Florida front and center for me. I'm just I've just watched over the years this fan base be a major thorn in the side of the progression and progress and success of this football team. They have complained about literally everything. I was there in the must champ years. Uh, Florida played outstanding defense under Will Muschamp. The problem was you really couldn't get the offense together, but you know what, with a little bit of this, I think by and large, most of the fans, at least now having been now on their third coach, um, appreciates Will Muschamp. I don't know. They didn't appreciate him when he was here. That was part of the problem. Um, I mean, yeah, I was, they weren't a bad team. I mean, it wasn't like they were, you know, they, they were a very competitive uh, team. So They were. They were. Yeah. You know, when he came in, he had, a, I think, an 11-win season, whatever. You yeah. work things out. It's just not going to um, run smoothly all the time. Will Muschamp's biggest problem was that he was not Urban Meyer at least right away, was not Urban Meyer. Um, and it was his first head coaching job. So um, they trashed him when things were Urban Meyer-ish. Um, and then you moved on to Jim McElwain. And you had your problems with Jim McElwain. And, and Jim McElwain's big problem, too, was offense. You get Dan Mullen in now, the third coach, in seven years. And what he definitely did was bring excitement to Florida football, especially, you know, obviously on the offensive side where you're putting up 30 points, 40 points, 50 points. You're doing stuff that you hadn't done during the Urban Meyer years. You brought that stuff back. Um, and, yeah, you you know, there were some things left to be desired defensively. But you, you were like all of the major college football teams without the championship. You were moving in that right direction. Sure. But it just seems to me, Emil, that this fan base has worn them down now, and especially the ones on Twitter. And you know what it is? They they will talk loudly. They will be obsessed. They will go on and on and on and on. And then when you call them out on it, they say, well, why are they listening to us anyway? Well, you're on there going on and on because you want to be heard. And when the herd loud enough, reporters that exist nowadays, and I'm not talking about all of them. But the majority of them get their news from Twitter. They take their cue from the fan base, the ones that are on Twitter. There's a lot of lazy journalism that goes on nowadays. And now it becomes a media story. 
And then it turns into questions that are asked of players and coaches. And that becomes a full-blown problem. And then if you're if you're happy to get a you know an interview with an athletic director, then you start getting those kind of questions. You start asking about is the coach safe. Can I say something though here? And I know this, yeah, I know why you're on Twitter. Okay, I get it. And I, I totally get it for business purposes. But I think this is something we have to start to realize in our country. Twitter is not the majority of the country. Mm-hmm. It really isn't. There's 330 million people. It's not. It's loud. Um, it's persistent because you can get it on your phone at any time whenever you want to check it. Mm-hmm. And the media covers it like it's it's most of the country. But it's really not. And I would seriously encourage a lot of these younger kids who are playing major college sports where people are going to be saying nasty things to not be on there. I, I just, I think it's negative. Like if I had sons like you, mm-hmm. I would, I would encourage them not to be on there. Well, both of them have cut back severely on their use of Twitter. Um, you know, it was, there was a time where it was really the only social media that was out there. Obviously other things have come along have captured their attention and just the whole negativity of it. So they've cut that back. They're still on, but they don't use it nearly as much. But for a lot of these kids, there's a good way to get news. There is good information on there. And they get invaded by reporters, fans, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I understand, but you got it. I know it is sad, but you got a way, I think, you know, and it's a whole, you know, we're having two discussions here. One, their fan base. Which which I'm going to tie a parallel to you for because it's very close to home with me. Um, I think there were two discussions here. One, I think athletes like that are younger that can't aren't mature enough to let this roll off their back yet, like a lot of veterans and in, in the pros. I think they just should stay away from it because I think it's just negative. There's a lot of ways to get news. Figure out a different way. Your phone can shoot you news a million different ways. Um, I just don't think it's. You know, I, I don't think it's healthy for them. I mean, you know, you say what you want. You know, if they, if they want to keep in touch with family and friends, there's other social media platforms where you can go as a, not a public figure and just lock people out. Basically, you have your little <laughs> circle. That's who I'm going to sure. talk to. And that's that. Because you know what? You're not, nothing positive comes out of that for a guy or, or gal that's playing a sport where People have strong opinions and a lot of times don't know what the hell they're talking about. Well, almost all the time. What I would like to see happen is these athletic programs totally ignore them. And if, you know, a reporter or reporters want to make themselves Twitter centric, if I could use that, if I could say that, then you just limit that reporter's access. Yeah, Twitter-centric. Yep. You, yeah. If you want to be, if that's where you're going to be shooting out all this information, then that's great. You know, we're not we're not talking to you. You're from if you're from the whatever the Orlando Sentinel or whatever the papers are, Florida Miami Herald. Sure, come on in. You're going to write a story in the paper. We got it. You know, that's mm-hmm. print media. You know, I backwards to a degree, but I think the damage that's being inflicted. Uh, to the psyche of a lot of these kids is not good. Yeah, more and more I'm seeing um, kids talking about mental health, needing to step away, all this good stuff. And I think there's people out there that take a little bit of joy in that, even when it comes to their team. There's a little bit of animosity. That's a little bit? A little bit? Listen, we live in a world that wants to build you up until you get 
cliff a certain place, then they want to take an axe and cut you down. That's that's the vast majority. Of, nah, I don't want to say that. I don't want to be cynical. I think m- most people are good people, but there's a, a, enough people out there that get real joy in making someone else miserable, even without lives, which never happens anyway in the process. Of course. It's I, it's just disgusting to me. Florida, Florida State, Miami, um, Texas, USC, virtually all the programs in that decade leading up to the winter that had some success or won a championship are suffering through this right now. Um, because well, I'm going to give you a parallel. And the, the parallel I see here, because I had a discussion last week, similar vein, is Penn State. And, and again, uh, someone had listened to our show and they made the comment on my page really good show. You didn't have to take a shot at Penn State. And try to understand what I'm saying. I'm not taking a shot at Penn State, and I'm not taking a shot at Florida. What I'm saying is college football has been around a long time. 100 years, maybe, you know, if you really count, it's 130. You know, it goes back into the 1870s or whatever it is. But let's say 100 years. So there's programs that, what I like to say, are historical blue bloods. And we talked about it last week, Okay. When you look at a large sample, there's basically five of them, okay? Alabama happens to be one, and Ohio State happens to be the other. Whenever you see a list, and then you have Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and USC. But those two are important in this discussion because what is next to Florida is Alabama and Georgia, by the way. And what is next to Pennsylvania is Ohio. So when you have fan bases that want to measure their program, and in this case we're talking Florida, in your case, and Penn State mine, against Alabama and Ohio State. And they're always unhappy because the current coach is one in five against fill in the blank, one of the two. Well, guess what? So is everybody else right now. No, Everybody's one in five or one in six or all in seven against Alabama and Ohio State. You know so what the it, problem is, Emil? They All these other places have had the taste of soda. And they just can't handle water anymore. They don't want to drink any water. They just want soda all the time. And yeah, it's, that's a good analogy. You're right. I know, but yeah. you got to understand, you can't, you know, I say this on shows and, and I don't know. Listen, Chad knows me. I love sports and I love my teams. And when they lose, like the Dodgers lost. Yeah, I was unhappy for a day. I'm a grown man. Sure, I was unhappy for a day. Then I got over it. You know why? I didn't play. Okay. <laughs> and I realized that your team doesn't win most years. See, so you got it. If you're going to go through as a fan, measuring your, your happiness and what you get out of watching the games, only by the fact that your team wins the championship, you're always going to be miserable and you probably need a new hobby because watching sports is not going to make you happy. Yeah, it's utterly, <laughs> it's utterly annoying to me to have a team go uh, win double-digit games, go to a conference championship, um, and even like last year, you were then a touchdown of maybe one of the best teams in college football history, definitely a good part of the best recruiting class that's ever come through, and that's just not good enough. You can't be happy with that disgusting to me like come on and this year they're within a two-point conversion of going to overtime with that with alabama yeah but you know what they've done you know they've gone on and on and on about the backup quarterback which is a freshman kid they want him to replace the kid that's in there now this is the biden mind you now the kid that's in there now is the same one they wanted to replace kyle trask in the middle of his um heisman trophy run um or at least leading up to it now that that kid's in there they want the other kid in no one's Tim Tebow, so that's a problem. 
The coaches aren't Urban Meyer, so that's a problem. Well, so Mullen felt the heat football. last week, though. He put the other kid in, and the kid wasn't ready. They, yeah, Listen, fans might say this is not true, but I really think, yes, he felt the heat from the – it starts on Twitter, and then the reporters bring it to him. And it was either done out of spite because, hey, you know what, this is a one of the better Georgia teams of all time, and we're not going to beat them anyway. But you know what? Here's what you guys wanted. Here you go. You got it. We're going to put this kid in. And How'd that turn, look? Turn the ball over three times, including a pick six. And, you know, you may very well have stunted that kid's growth. Hopefully he's mentally strong. And the kid's a tremendous talent, Emil. So oh, he is. This, I've seen him play. I've seen him yeah. play. If I say this, it's not to take a shot at the kid. It's just he's not ready yet. There's a kid there in front of him that's further along. Why don't we max that out before we go throwing in the backup Anthony Richardson? It's just Well, well before so we get over. off the subject, I'll say this. If I hope if you guys – who are Florida fans and you're listening, if you want to run off Mullen, please do it in the next couple of weeks. Cause I'd love for him to be considered for the UFC job as a fan. So thank you. That's a yeah, public service uh, announcement. <laughs> to, to have one of these guys leave here and go have some success for a fan base that just doesn't have such ridiculous expectations would just make me laugh my head off. All right, let me get off of that um, rant there and let's move on to the college football playoffs. Uh, they came out with their rankings, the much anticipated rankings yesterday. All we really need to know, Georgia one, Alabama two, Michigan state three, Oregon four. We should leave it at that. Right. But no. Up in arms, Emil, about Cincinnati being sixth. I don't know where you stand on this. That's where Cincinnati belongs. Absolutely. Uh, matter of fact, since I knew you were bringing the subject up, here's the Cincinnati schedule. You're not near your computer or your phone or whatever. You got Miami of Ohio, Murray State, an average Indiana team, a Notre Dame team that may seem to be pretty good at 7-1, but it's a weird year in college football. Go pull up Notre Dame's schedule. This is a good Notre Dame team, far from great. Temple, Central Florida, Navy, Tulane. This week they're playing Tulsa. Then they play South Florida, SMU, East Carolina play in college football matters this isn't the nfl we don't have a schedule it's essentially the same yeah we've seen this before we've seen it with the fresnos and the boises and the ucfs listen four team playoff if you want to be included in that you've got one or two things you can do you can go coach at one of these schools power five or you can go load your schedule up in the beginning of the year before you get into conference play with two or three of these schools. One's not going to get it done. Or you could do BYU, go independent, and just make up a schedule that has you playing many schools that are pretty damn good. Right. I don't want to hear it based on, listen to the teams that you just rolled off and say that you're as good as Georgia or Alabama or Michigan State or even Oregon. Come on. Cut that not even already. not even close. My only problem I have, uh, well, I think it'll rectify itself, so I don't even have a problem with it is i think they're giving oregon too much credit for an early season win against ohio state when the rest of their resume is pretty weak and the conference is a disaster and this is coming from a pac-12 guy so you know i hear you and we've talked quite a bit especially in the offseason about the pac-12 however amel it's very different two things at work here. first of all oregon went to their place went to understand place and you know what? Final score, I think, was 31-24. But they, they, they really got with Ohio State. 
Oh, um, no, they controlled the game. They controlled yeah, they, the play, they, the they, pace, they, yeah. Yeah, they got with those guys. The other thing, too, is I think all the powers that be are really itching for the Pac-12 to get in there. I think I really think they are. So Well, and I'm fine with that because the Ohio State thing is going to solve itself. They're going to play Michigan State, and one of them is going to be eliminated when they play each other in a few weeks. So that that kind of solves itself. And I will shed no tear for Oklahoma because I just really don't think the big – I think the Big 12 stinks this year. So – and I don't think Oklahoma is that great. So I'm not shedding any tears for Oklahoma. We've always had the Big 12 uh, discussion every year since we've had this college football playoff. Like, well, how good are they? They don't have a conference championship. No one plays defense there. And, you know, in a year like this where Oklahoma has skirted by, I mean, Tulane took them to the to the wire. Oh, yeah. Tulane yeah, had no, I, on the no. water. So, um, okay, Oklahoma, you're, you're where you belong. I don't want to hear the crying. Michigan went to Michigan State. I don't know what happened in that second half, Amel. They were well on their way to dominating the number three team currently in the country. So I don't really have a problem with Michigan being in front of Oklahoma right now. Uh, no, I listen. I again, I'm I'm telling you, I'm looking at the I'm looking right now at the Big Twelve schedule. Okay, the Big Twelve standings. Oklahoma's nine and zero. Oklahoma State and Baylor are seven and one. Every team after that overall has three, four, five, and seven losses. So. Sorry, not impressed. So again, I yeah, I have no problem with that. I, I I actually think they did a pretty good job. And now, if you want me to be honest, this will piss some people off. Cincinnati's probably overranked at number six. If we want to be honest, um, I mean, I don't think they could line up and beat Michigan. <laughs> I yeah. saw the Notre Dame game. They jumped on them seventeen nothing. Notre Dame came back, and again, goal. I, I mean, I know the transitive property, as they say, doesn't always work. Of course, you can't say you played them, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you go down the Notre Dame schedule. This is just an average Notre Dame team. The record looks good, and it's not their fault, but they scheduled teams that just happen to not be good this year. I mean, nobody thought USC and North Carolina would both be 4-4, four and four, but they are. Virginia Tech's 4-4. Four and four. Wisconsin's, what, 5-3? and three? Purdue's 5-3. and three. Two, two, Toledo's 4-5. and five. Florida State, I don't know what they are, two and six, two and seven, three and six. I don't know. I mean, it's just not a good schedule. And they beat them by a lot of those games were three and four point wins. Notre Dame's not that good. I I would like to see um, Wake Forest versus Cincinnati. I wouldn't mind seeing that. You know, Wake Forest is number nine. I wouldn't mind seeing that. I just don't think Cincinnati could beat Michigan. Um, perhaps they could beat Oklahoma. You know, I did talk about how Tulane took held Oklahoma head on the water and scared the living um, death out of them. This is a different quarterback now behind the, behind the center at Oklahoma. So, you know, maybe that'll make a difference. This kid's more suited for what it is Oklahoma has going on and the problems that they have the offensive line. So I think there's seven legitimate teams in that being Georgia, Alabama, Michigan state, Oregon, Michigan, Oklahoma, and Ohio state. I think Cincinnati will get in there because these guys that do rankings, they think it's the NFL, and they, they they look at record, and they can't help themselves. They'll say, oh, they're 8-0. No, we have to put them there. No, you don't really if you look at who they played, but let's throw them in there. I think those eight teams, somewhere in there, you're going to get your four. Wake Forest, they just don't play any defense. You put them in there with a team like – I know they have a good offense, but you put them in there with a team like Georgia, they, Georgia will score 60 points. 
Yeah, um, that's that's my sentiment. That's probably how that will go down. So the question remains, or the question is, for someone like a Luke Fickle, um, have you maxed out at Cincinnati? I personally think maybe, you know, he probably has. I'd like to see him now move back into the Big Ten. You know, he did get a shot at Ohio State. It was early, early, early. It was his first head coaching job. Didn't go well. Moved on to Cincinnati. Since then, at Cincinnati, Amos was four and eight, eleven and two, eleven and three, nine and one. And he's he, we're talking about him on the podcast right now. We're talking about his team on the podcast. So I think he's ready now to go into the into the into the Big Ten. I had I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but I envisioned something where you know James Franklin would leave Penn State and go to USC. Um, and then I thought PJ Fleck would be a guy that would move into that you know, position there in Penn state. I figured him over fickle because he is currently in the big 10. So, you know, he'd probably get first dibs on that. And then fickle could take his job at Minnesota, but today, uh, you know, PJ flex signed a seven year contract. It's not going anywhere. So if Franklin is the guy for USC, he's leaving Penn state. I mean, why not Luke fickle at Penn state? Well, uh, so let's just, I, I mean, to me, Franklin seems like a guy with one foot out the door and we've hit that hard other podcasts. I, I I either taking one of the two big jobs and yes, it makes perfect sense. If you're Penn state, you go out and get Luke fickle and if you're Luke fickle. It makes perfect sense to go to Penn state. I just don't know who else you would give that job to. Well, I mean, how much, if you're fickle, I want that job. It's a, it's a great job. You could go back and if, if you can get it going, you can go back and put it to Ohio state. I mean, how much sure. fun is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know his feelings about Ohio State. He could very well be like, you know, I get it. I uh, wasn't ready. Um, oh, no, no, I don't think a- he should be bitter. I mean, just like when it, when it, in baseball, when, when you part ways because, you know, they don't want to pay you what you want and you go get a good deal somewhere else. Whenever you come back and play that team, it's not that you hate them. It's just you want to show them that maybe you guys should have paid me. A lot of those guys yeah. are still your friends. So Yeah, so uh, maybe a part of them thinks, you know, I was six and seven, but you guys could have held me for a year or two more and let, give me a chance to turn that around. So, yes, um, I just don't know who else would be up for that job. I know everyone's talking Mel Tucker. I honestly see Mel Tucker staying at Michigan State. It's kind of where his roots are. Um, they've welcomed him in. And, you know, after my whole rant with the Florida fan base, I don't know if you want to go down to LSU. But why does Mel Tucker want to leave? You know, the, the USC fans now are all high high on Mel Tucker in, in my, my fan rooms that I'm in. And, you know, I've, I've made the point, if you're Mel Tucker, why do you want to leave Michigan State? It's not as though you can't win big there. You can. It's not as though you can't make the playoff there. You can. And, you know, it's like I said to them, why would he want to leave there right now? I mean, he seems to have it going. So what, you want to leave Michigan State? Why not just use the other jobs as leverage to get a raise and stay? I don't understand why you want to leave. I mean, is there a head and shoulders better job in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State than than a Michigan State? Um, He, better than anyone else, would know what – you know what the juggernaut that Alabama has he he was there you know yeah um, so do you really want to go to LSU and be doing that every year no, no. I think he's in a really really great place so fans do uh, two things that annoy me when when we get to this time of year and they you know either their coach is gone or they want their coach out they want the guy that is hot right now they don't care about any previous resume he's won some games this year he's undefeated this year look what he's done and then they want to hire, you know, especially uh, someone like a place like a USC or a, you know, or a Miami or Florida. They want to make all the ex-players the assistant coaches. Sure. 
Oh, it's great. They want all the ex players. They want, you know, I've guys, let's bring back Jack Del Rio. Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah right. okay. Uh, then, but well, I mean, Ronnie Lott can do Ronnie Lott can do the DBs and Oh, I think this is going to break pretty clean this year. I think the first team, to, the first one to blink of two, whoever signs, whether it be Franklin or, or uh, Dave uh, Aranda, is that how you say his name properly? Yes. Uh, whoever takes the first job, the other one's taking the other one. I think one of them is going to be the U.S. I think Aranda belongs at LSU. I don't see Aranda at USC as a fan. Well, he probably does, but I'm not saying, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying, though, well, let's assume – for some reason, he took the USC job. Then I think Franklin's going to LSU. I think if Franklin goes to USC, LSU is going to going to take Aranda. And I think he makes sense. I think both of those guys make sense in those two places. I see Franklin much more as a fit for USC. I think the personality and everything I see around him, I think he fits the school. And he may he may finally reach his potential and fix some of the things that I've hit him on with game management. But I know the guy can recruit. You know so. All right. Yeah. So I'm just a guy Emil, that likes things to fit perfectly. So I really like Aranda at at um, at LSU. Um, you know, from as a guy who's coached defense, I'm very familiar with you know a lot of the things that he's done on defense. Got a lot of respect for him in that regard. I like what he's done to Baylor, and he's been at LSU. Kind of knows the lay of the land and how that works. And I just really feel like Franklin's personality is going to work at USC. Over maybe some of the well, other guys. That you, what do you think would be the okay Baylor right now is in the thick of it in terms of you know they're the they're ranked fourteenth, thirteenth, uh, twelfth, something like that. They're seven and one. They're they're in the running for the Big Twelve title. So obviously, protocol would be you know he's going to hang in there for a while longer. But at what point does Franklin announce he's leaving? I mean, Penn State's in the running for nothing. Yeah. Uh, they, they no, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not being a wise guy. I'm saying they, if he's leaving, I mean they're in. They're they're five and three. They got three Big Ten losses. They're going nowhere. So at what point do you think? Well, if if something's coming, because if if you're taking a job somewhere else, you want to have time to not only hold that recruiting class together, but to poach a few that you have at school you're leaving. I think Franklin's the kind of guy who respects his players, respects the journey they've been on. I think the players respect him. So I think in that regard, he's going to go at least to the end of this regular season. Then when you get whatever bowl announcement, you're probably our best to do, as you said, um, head on over. Don't complicate your life with trying to coach up a bowl game. You're probably the team's probably not going to get the best of you. Um, and you're going to be halfway doing your recruiting with the new place. And when you're talking about a place like USC, you've got to get on the road. You've got to get in the homes. You've got to get on the phone. So, like you said, Penn State's in the running for nothing. Go to the end of the regular season. You get your bowl announcement. Then you make your announcement and you move on. And, you know, you're thankful. Give all your – Yeah. Your yeah, soliloquy I figured as much. Yeah, I mean, I figured, I figured, you know, he'll at least hang on and be the – you know, maybe, maybe he wants a farewell or something. Maybe announce it the, before the last game or something of the regular season. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, if he's going, I mean, we're all assuming he's going. Maybe he isn't. I mean – I mean, there's a chance we we're we, like I said, we're all speculating, but um, to do that now, I wouldn't like it. Yeah, personally, yeah, that that would be a bad look. Um, it would be. All right, so yeah, so that's it for our college football segment. It's time now for halftime adjustments. Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. 
You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card, and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts, and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer. Find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, you spend. You shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts. Check in to log your purchase and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. Okay, I'm sure many people have thought this over the last few weeks, but I'll be the guy to ask this and maybe you have an answer for us. It seems like they figured out the quote-unquote cheek on the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Um, If you've watched it, anybody paying attention knows that that offense looks nothing like the offense we watched run through the NFL for the last couple of years. And a, a lot of the pieces are still there. So explain to the average fan, including myself, what has gone wrong in your mind and what has the NFL figured out about the Kansas City Chiefs offense? What's going on here is you had a bunch of you have you have a once in a lifetime talent at, at quarterback um, with maybe one of the greatest arms we've ever seen in this game. You've got a bunch of receiving talent. Andy Reid is being has been blessed right now with toys that he's never ever had as a coach. Um, and coming into this thing, Andy Reid was already a very good offensive mind and, and, and a pretty good head coach. And so what you're seeing is Andy Reid schematically played play creator development wise on steroids because of the the Jimmys and the Joes that he has. And over the course of him doing this, it was just blinding the whole league because he's doing these outrageous and outstanding things with with this group of talent. So the defenses would go out week after week and they try all kinds of things, combo coverage, uh, you know, rolling, disguising, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you keep seeing something and you keep trying, you know, it's kind of like putting keys in a keyhole. You know, you've got a whole set of keys there and you just keep putting a key in that one doesn't work. You put another one in that one doesn't work. And eventually you find a key that fits into the keyhole, turns the lock. And now you're in there. And essentially, you know, I don't know if there was a prelude up to this. There probably was, but the Bucks were the ones who actually executed it. And it was good old cover two defense, which amazingly was what undid Philadelphia. Um, in their NFC championship game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, it was called the Tampa two. So um, you remember the stats that the Bucks had in cold weather. It was like, anytime it was under 39 degrees, they were, Oh, for whatever. But um, that team with Warren Sapp and those guys had put together that Tampa two defense and played it better than anyone. And they, they really unseated, undid and unwinded, you know, um, Andy Reid's Philadelphia Eagles offense. So swinging around this way, someone got the bright idea. Listen, we tried all this other stuff. How about what Tampa did back when he was at Philly? Let's give that a shot. And that's what the Buccaneers did in that Super Bowl. And we saw what Kansas City looked like. We saw Patrick Mahomes return to earth. And 
I think everyone has just copied that to a certain degree at this point. And now, it's- well, am I wrong in saying this? What I, what I've noticed, without getting into as much detail as you just did, um, when they're facing that that type of coverage, you know, what you're saying is Tampa two, where you, you know, I did notice the safeties are you know are playing against them like 15 to 20 yards off the ball. Yes. Uh, it, it requires to me, at least in my knowledge of, uh, of what I would do, the patience to take what they're giving you and not force it because obviously you got a safety 15 to tw- two safeties, 15 to 20 yards down the field. And number two, I w- you got to run the ball against that, right? I mean, at some point. Patience and boredom. And it's not something Andy Reid likes to do. He likes reverses. He likes screens. He likes, you know, being creative. This would be like in his heyday, Telling Michael Jackson, you got to go out there and do this concert, but you can't go out there with those glittery socks. Um, there's no moonwalking and really watch your hip thrust. We need you to just go out there and sing. Michael, you got a really great voice. Just go out there and sing and stand there like Lionel Richie. Now, that's not going to fly. Um, Michael Jackson will go on stage. He'll tell you, yeah, and then you're going to get moonwalked. The socks are going to come out. And he's probably going to shoot fire from out of his back. He's going to just go crazy. So this is what it is for Andy Reid. He's a creative play developer. To ask him to, to snap the ball to Patrick Mahomes with the cannon right arm and have him hand it to a running back four or five, six times in a row is just not in his DNA. You wish it would. Well, this I also is- feel like Mahomes is not at a stage in his career yet where he's figured out that sometimes you can't I mean it seems like he almost is like a baseball pitcher if I can give you an analogy that mm-hmm. has a hundred mile an hour fastball so he he doesn't want to throw a curve that's too boring he just wants to see if he can throw it through the catcher and by the batter and I almost feel like sometimes I'm watching Mahomes and it's like yeah that eight yard pass is there but it's boring I want to throw I want to throw 15 or 16 yards down the field that's more exciting you know we're part of to, to blame for that the media's part to blame for that because we just Gave him so much attention for the no-look throws, cross-body throws, the 80-yard the launches and all that. That's his claim to fame. That's what has brought him here. So it's very difficult for him to go away with that. I go back to the Michael Jackson analogy. So it's it's so you've got that going on with Mahomes, and you've got that going on with the head coach, Andy Reid. And they are really just going to ha- – it may not happen this year. In fact, I don't think it will happen this year. But they're going to have to spend the offseason. You're going to have to ask an aging coach like Andy Reid, um, an old dog, to do new tricks. And you're going to have to get this young guy to understand that, yes, no-look passes are great, man. But, you know, when you're in there against the Buffalo Bills and you just need to step up in the pocket like Tom Brady and throw a, a nine-yard curl on third and eight, can you just do that, please, without any amount of flair? Just get the ball to the guy. And I think it's going to take them a little while to really understand. See, I must, be, I must, have, a, I, I must have a low football IQ because I, I can be easily amused. Turns around and hands the ball off six times in a row and they move 40 yards up the field, I get real excited. I'm like on the edge of my couch. <laughs> I, and look, and this gives me a good chance to segue into, into this right here. Um, as you and I talked about, the quarterback for the New York Jets was the high school quarterback at the school that I coached for. He played with my son, Quincy Wilson. We won a state championship with him. I obviously had to go against him in practice every day. And if there was one thing that used to annoy me about him in practice is we would be doing our competition period, whether that's seven on seven or it's a full team period. And he would over and over and over throw the check down or the short pass. Oh, he had unlimited patience in doing that. 
So I may have even had a period where I cooked up some really, really great stuff. I took away some deep threats because we had some guys um, on uh, as pass receivers. I would take all these guys away. I'd feel really great about it. He'd dump it down to a running back for seven yards, and he had no problem doing that. And by golly, I wouldn't – I'd be damned if he didn't go in filling in for their first-round pick, Zach Wilson, and do that very same thing for the New York Jets and rolled up 405 passing yards – get them a win out of you-know-where against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And yep. he's the player of the week. They took his they took his shoulder pads, I think the football, his jersey, and it's in Canton. Um, and this is a kid that was undrafted. But uh, was- I, Listen, I know he was drafted. I'm familiar with Mike White because of your relationship through coaching him, talking to you over the years. And he was drafted by the Cowboys. Yeah, late round pick. Late round, 2017 pick. Um, and, you know... I don't, you know, again, this is one of those where I, everybody who's listened to the show knows that I say draft a quarterback every year, even if it's sixth or seventh round. And I really oh, yes. don't know this. You have definitely been the guy to be on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why Dallas quit on him so quickly. It's not like they had, a, you know, a, a, an abundance of great backup quarterbacks. I mean, they wasted a lot well, of money on Andy Dalton. There, there was a big chance for some egg on their face on Sunday night. Because they let Mike White go essentially for Cooper Rush. They, and Cooper Rush choice. played very well too. So I mean, in the had end, he it not, worked out for yeah, yeah. Had he not, in a day where Mike White threw for four hundred five yards, oh, and yeah. gets a victory. It you know it would have been bad in in Cowboys land. But essentially, oh no, no, no. It luckily worked out for everyone. Mike White's going to get way more of an opportunity to play with the Jets because even though they have a high pick invested in Zach Wilson. They listen. They're gonna the Jets. The Jets need to win football games. So if he can start winning football games, I don't think they're gonna be that married to to Zach Wilson uh, in Dallas. You're not unseating Dak Prescott, who's a top five quarterback at this sure. point. So sure, ultimately, know, ultimately a better situation for him. But I, you know, I brought Mike up not only to mention the great things that are going on with him, but we're, we're all of us that coached um, and were around him that, and the players that were around him at university school in Fort Lauderdale, Florida are extremely happy for what's going on. Can't wait to see him tomorrow, um, in the Thursday night matchup against the Colts. But, um, I brought it up to just mention that his patience, his ability, like, I think Mike White might actually for the chiefs right now do better against some of the defenses they're seeing than, than Patrick Mahomes. Cause he'll just, he'll just drop that ball down to the back over and over and over. And well, over. I'll tell you what, most teams, I mean, to cover two, pretty much everybody's figured out how to beat it. That's why I'm surprised with your answer, which makes perfect sense. I mean, I'll be honest, as an NFL fan and a Cowboy fan specifically, with the toys Dallas has on offense and the pieces, I love when I see any team p- play a cover two against the Cowboys. They'll just walk very it down the field. To, yeah, very difficult to do that against the Cowboys with what they have in the backfield. Um, they'll just I know that's why ball. that's yeah. why I like to see yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, you got a, you got two physical runners that will just chew up yards and you know, make your life miserable. And if you have a good offense, they're you know they're going to keep your offense on the on the sidelines. I don't know why the Chiefs can't do it. again. It's man, the glittery socks. Man, Andy Reid's just got to have the glittery socks. Hopefully, he can fix that, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. I I, I wouldn't mind if he did it this um, weekend against the Packers, though. Who, by no. the way, will not have their signal caller one week late. Well, we can segue into that. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, uh, for any of you who are in a, a cave or you have a job, you might, you maybe you don't get things on your phone. Aaron Rodgers will not, not be playing Sunday. 
You're not on Twitter. Yes. You, he will not be playing Sunday against the Kansas City or Monday, right? It's Monday night football or is he on Sunday night? I forget which one that game is. I anyway, Sunday, I think it's Sunday night. There's yeah, no he won't COVID. be playing. He's got COVID. Uh, he, he apparently, Schefter said it, and I believe Schefter, he is, uh, he's not vaccinated. He was asked in August. He said he was immunized. It was a very coy answer because we've all been immunized if you're a certain age because we've had other vaccines. So he wasn't necessarily lying to the press. He was immunized. He never said he had a COVID-19 shot. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, that's still sketchy as to whether or not he was vaccinated against COVID-19, whatever the case may be. No, well, they're saying uh, today he wasn't. I, I read stories since we've had this earlier today when you sent me the story. I, I, I mean, uh, uh, supposedly he was not vaccinated. I don't know. That's what they're reporting. I'm not saying we know that. We don't, yeah, but that's we, what I'm we reading. Yeah, we know for sure. If he, if, if he wasn't, you know, the fact that his number one wide receiver um, – caught it last week and then uh, you know almost the second wide receiver caught it It just was inevitable um, that he would catch it so they've got to go into battle against Kansas City without Aaron Rodgers what if Emil Jordan Love goes in there and looks really really good the Packers have a good football team of course Aaron Rodgers is great they have a good enough football team that they went and took out the last undefeated football team in in the NFL without two top wide receivers. So they have to have a good team. I know Aaron Rodgers is great, but they have to have a good football team. Um, they, you get those team, re- but you, you know, I remember back. quarterbacks that are great can really mask not having receivers a little bit easier. That's one of those things where a guy like a Rodgers, you know, let's, let's put it this way. If Jordan Love played without those two receivers, your Cardinals would still be undefeated. Um, yeah, you're probably right. Although I really, really liked the game plan. If I could, if I could say that, um, what's amazing to me, Emil, is, um, that the chiefs are seven and a half point favorites in this game. You know, we've got our pick segment coming up. It's, it's not one of my picks. It's not mine either, but it's a fat number. Or or maybe it is, or maybe it is one of my picks, but yes, it's a, it's a pretty big number. Um, so you know, I yeah, it's a fat, it's, it's, it's a fat, no, it's a fat number. And, uh, you know, at that, you know, when, when you're looking at a, a number like that, you know, Jordan love got picked for a reason and he does have some good players around him. He's getting the receivers back that weren't there last week. I mean, you know, we can talk about that, but I'd be, I'm not, listen, the way chiefs are playing right now, I wouldn't lay points with them. In fact, in a game I might, uh, uh, you know, that contest I told you about on CBS Sports, I had the Giants on Monday night in the contest plus nine and a half. I wouldn't lay points with the Chiefs against almost anybody right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear you on that. Flipping over to this, Kevin Stefanski, head coach of the Cleveland Browns, has said they didn't trade OBJ at the deadline. Um, mm-hmm. But he says he's no longer with the team. I don't even know what that means, Amy. Yeah, you know, know, I didn't dig into that story this afternoon. I got an alert on that because whenever I see uh, OBJ stuff, I kind of, uh, I've almost tuned him out because he's just, you know, I see more off-field stuff with this guy than on-field anymore. (laughs) So um, I I don't know what that means either, frankly. So if you if you ever anybody out there knows, leave us a message. I'd love to know what that means. I mean, he's not traded. But he's not with the team. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> um, I don't either. So I will say this. Um, 
you know, I did have a chance to meet OBJ this past off season. So, you know, softened a little bit. I, you know, I am aware obviously that someone can have a persona or give off a certain impression publicly and then in private, there's someone completely and totally different. Um, you know, anyone who's met Robert De Niro <laughs> will certainly attest to that. You know, he's not the guy that is boot kicking, um, you know, the, another wayward gangster. He's just not what he does in his real life. So um, I know he was unhappy in Cleveland. Everyone knows that. I thought Cleveland should have really – why couldn't you make a deal there, Cleveland? Why couldn't you ship this guy off? It's not working. Make a deal. Um, yeah, you know, here's the thing. At first, when I heard the story, I figured, well, maybe he has an injury clause that would guarantee the next year of his deal. Sort of like the Jalen Smith situation down in Dallas when they cut him after the fourth game, figuring, you know, we want out. We don't want to be guaranteed next year's big salary. But he doesn't, from what I understand. OBJ, that is. Mm -hmm. um, he had a roster bonus, which isn't due till next year if he's on the roster. So I don't get it if you're, you know, if, you, if just give him away. I mean, if you're not, if you're going to do this, you might as well just say, give us a seventh round pick or something. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, if I had to guess, um, he'd really pushed to get dealt by the trade deadline. They may have told him that they would, and perhaps he doesn't feel like they did enough. And the fact that he was still on the roster <laughs> come this morning would indicate that they didn't. And um, I guess he's pretty much told them, well, then, if you guys don't want to work to fix this situation, not, you know, I don't really need to play. I'm, I'm injured or whatever the case may be. We've seen this at work over the last few years in the NFL. Now the players don't have as much authority as they do in let's say the NBA, but they've found ways to um, get their way. A la Jalen Ramsey getting out of Jacksonville, getting to the Rams. I think this is just a power move by OB. And, and his father's made, from what I understand, his father's made some, I guess tweets or social media posts were responding to people, you know, saying May Mayfield doesn't want uh, OBJ to shine. And his father, you know, responded with something like pound big facts, uh, mm. uh, you know, Mayfield's mediocre. So I don't know, you know, there could be some internal combustion where the team just feels it's addition by subtraction at this point. Yeah. I mean, I don't see how you don't, you, you couldn't have moved them. Two things I'm surprised by. Um, and, and we're going to get into this in a moment, but obviously the Raiders need a receiver. How Deshaun Jackson or OBJ did not end up a Raider yesterday is beyond me. That the Raiders, happen. or how about the Saints? I mean, they just lost uh, exactly. Michael Thomas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's teams out there that are wide receiver needy that you would think somebody's going to say, yeah, send them here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if you're the Browns, you don't want to send them to the Raiders because in the AFC, send them to the Saints. I'm like, I don't understand how that did not happen. But anyway, um, getting on to this part, and Namor, when I got this news yesterday, it just really hits home, obviously, because I have two sons playing in the NFL that are around this young man's age. But Henry Ruggs out in the wee hours of the morning in Las Vegas, intoxicated, driving his vehicle. Um, at a high rate of speed, apparently 156 miles an hour on a city street, um, ends up in an accident that uh, results in a young lady's death, and he's basically wrecked his career. The Raiders have released him. I know you have more details on, on what happened with the accident. It's just such a sad, you know, the decisions that are made, um, especially when you're young, you've just got to be so careful with that. And I just think in this day and age where you have things like Uber, um, you have drivers, there's limos, just why even take that chance? 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a couple of things that for me, the first, the first reaction was the one I had for you, you guys yesterday was, you know, we always look at these things almost like the Alec Baldwin shooting situation, uh, the tragic movie scene thing last week. And the first thing we, t- we, we, we mentioned is how the tragedy impacts the famous person. Well, let's look at what, what's happened here. Not to state the obvious. I think the woman was 27 years old. She was a kid. Yeah. She had her whole life in front of her. She was burned to death in a car. That, that's how she died. If anybody's yeah, wondering. She, and she had a dog in the car, you know, with her. So they found mm-hmm. the remains of those two. Uh, first of all, you know, yes, it, Ruggs made a terrible decision. And we all deserve a chance in life at redemption. But that, that dis- you know, think about the people that have been impacted. This, this girl had a family, I'm sure. Uh, she was minding her own business. I mean, whatever. She's she sitting there. Um, this guy's going 156 miles an hour with a That's loaded insane. gun. They found That's a loaded insane. gun in the car. This guy was basically, he was a, a, a death waiting to happen to somebody, if not himself. Driving around a, a car. I mean, I, I mean, let's not state the obvious, but come on. His blood alcohol level, I think, was 0.15 he blew or tested on the blood, you know, if they took his blood. So he's double the legal limit with a loaded gun in a Corvette going 156 miles an hour on a city street. Usually, uh, you know, listen, I've, I was young, you were young. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I never got behind the wheel at that age having had drinks. But I'm going to tell you, I never did anything that crazy because I was uh, terrified of my father. <laughs> and the police. So I, I, you know, I drove slow because I wanted to just nobody to notice me. And that doesn't make it better. But what he did, he deserves some significant, significant jail time. I mean, yeah. And I'm, I don't know how that would even be avoided. You know, I know they're, you know, they're well, it's a two to 20 there. window on this. Okay. If he's convicted, which he's probably, I mean, he's going to be convicted. Um, mm-hmm. It's a two to 20 it's a two to 20 window. So my guess is if you're a lawyer, um, cause the judge told him yesterday from what I read in court that he, in all his years on the bench, he's never seen a DUI, uh, vehicular homicide case with the facts like this. And he said, I've mm-hmm. been on the bench a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this the, guy's the looking details at you, blew me away to be honest. blew me away. When I read this thing, if I'm his lawyer, I'm going to that DA and I'm, begging for a plea deal because if this goes to trial i don't see how this guy's not looking at the high end of that 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 sentencing yeah um uh, i would agree with you there so i'm just so saddened by the it's a sad and it's sad for him he's happened. 22 years old what is he 22 23 years old got his whole life in, in front of him okay so you've got how many lives wrecked i mean he's gonna do Enough oh, jail God, time. We was, couldn't even. We couldn't yeah. even begin to count. Tom, I mean, it's terrible. He, he it's probably a tragedy. Has a big family that was happy for him. Maybe some even depending on him that are you know are have been let down here. Obviously, he had a girlfriend in the car. She's impacted. Um, she's affected. He's obviously wrecked and ruined his career. I don't know that he can ever get that back. And then obviously the young lady that was um, killed in the accident, her and the, the countless members of her family that are now. Um, without a family member. So it was just a really, really poor decision. And so if there's anyone out there that's these youngsters that are driving now um, or anyone in this age group, anyone, obviously, I'm not just talking to the the 22-year-olds or the teenagers. You've got Uber. Um, If you're someone like a Henry Ruggs, their car services, 
uh, maybe it costs more than what the average person can can pay, but you're you know you're an NFL football player, you're making the money, you're going out to do something, you know you're going to be out like that. Use the car service, use the Uber, and if you decided to go out in your own car because you got a Corvette and you want people to see it and you want to do that kind of thing, then absolutely under no circumstances do you take any kind of a drink because we know one drink leads to two, can lead to four, can. Or how about how about you 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 give you give one of your buddies five hundred or a grand when you're making that kind of money, and you say you're not drinking and you're driving us around all night. Yeah, you've got to keep a non-drinker <laughs> around you if you're a drinker and you want to go out and do these things. You, you can't do. Listen, guy. kids, there's no excuse today. To your point, we're all walking around with phones. Uh, we have Uber. We we we, we have. Yeah, there's Lyft. no more hailing this, a cab in New York City in some no. area where they blow by you if you look a certain way. There's no more no. of that. No, push a button, get a get get a ride. I know we sound like two old guys, but this stuff happens way too often, and it's it's really sad. I mean, I'm not I'm not just saying it for effect. The whole thing is just sad. Yeah, um, really, really terrible. And we'll we'll just leave it at that. I guess more to come with this as he goes to court and goes through the whole process and. We'll see it lay out. It's just a lesson for everyone. All right. So um, let's head on over to our pick segment. The happiest <laughs> one for me. Um, I was terrible last week, not having a great season. But you, my friend, on the other hand, are just absolutely killing it. And uh, I'm extremely pleased for that because, you know, our listeners are able to get you know, a good bang for the well. We, we need to. We need things. to. We need to tell people this is also a survey why you shouldn't gamble too much. Okay, or a, a public service announcement of why you shouldn't gamble too much. Because Chad, I'm not just saying this because he's my friend, probably knows more about football than anybody I know. So it just goes to show you how little it matters how much you know about this. Actual the X's and O's uh, <laughs> with with yeah. actually picking against the point spread. <laughs> Sometimes I get caught up in what a team should do as opposed to what I think they will do. So, you know, you have well, let's be fair. Good. I've seen some, you've had some f- phenomenal years and won some contests years ago. So it's not like you're not good at this, but you're having a tough year. So let's recap last week quickly. College, uh, I was two and one. Winners, Miami, plus the nine against Pitt. They won outright West yeah, Virginia. you know what? I didn't even talk about my Miami Hurricanes getting the job done against Pittsburgh and, you know, Manny Diaz kind of throwing it back a little bit at all these fans that wanted him out of there in the middle of year three. No, Manny Diaz's team is playing hard for him. They have not quit. I did not. I told you when I made the pick, they, they told me everything I needed to know with the effort versus North Carolina State, a ranked opponent the week before, a one-point win. They took it on the road to Pitt, way too fat, obviously. So I took the nine, and we got it outright. That was an easy one for you. West Virginia. Another team they they continue to want to give points to in Morgantown, uh, and I took the seven. Another outright winner, and then finally, I unfortunately got caught up on the UCLA hype, and uh, they did their typical UCLA uh, <laughs> Utah went out. You know, man, they were they were they were underdogs. I thought, yeah, just UCLA being UCLA. And then you, you got, you got, you were one and two, but unfortunately for you, you got the Jim Harbaugh choke. You had them minus four. Come on, Jimmy. Jimmy had it, but he choked. Okay. So you did have a nice pick, Wisconsin. You read the tea leaves there. You said there's something wrong here. Why, why is Wisconsin laying three and a half to a ranked Iowa team? We found out why Wisconsin crushed them. And then uh, Lane Kiffin did you good. Ole Miss, uh, they get the yeah. job done. 
Yeah. So, 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 uh, on the year of college, I am, I'm getting close to 500. Remember I started off poorly. I was, uh, two and seven at one point. I'm now 10 and 11. I've won eight of my last 12. I'm hot uh, in college and, uh, Chad in college is nine and 12. He's only a game behind me there. Now in the pros, the pros were not you're good. On to you. fire there. Yeah, I'm on, on fire, fire on the pros. The pros were not good. You took the collar. Uh, you had the Colts. Uh, they let you down. They were ahead early, had control of that game, needed the game. And uh, the Carson Wentz. Amal, I just I, I don't know what to make of their season at this point. They're now three games behind the Tennessee Titans. Well, they got fortunate that they found out this week Derrick Henry uh, is going to be out for the season. So They did that. This, they did it. Yes, but it turns out to be a bigger thing because had they won this game, they'd be in a really good position. Instead of three games back, that's a two-game swing. They'd be one game back chasing a team who lost their best player. But the Colts, they just choked on you. The Browns, you were given three and a half. They, they never really had no, this game. Was no, no it was this a struggle? It was, from the it was a struggle, and then well, finally, not, not, not as much of a struggle as the Lions. <laughs> well, here's the thing: I can't even laugh at the Lions. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I almost made the Lions a pick. I mean, I figure if the Lions are going going to win a game this year, this is the spot because the Eagles have been struggling, and man, you. <laughs> They'd be relegated. I'm being serious. If this was like the Premier Soccer League, they'd be playing in the SEC next year. I mean, can, I tell you, can I tell you something about the Lions? Pick is you know how these things go. Been watching for a while. It's all right. This is a team that's not winning. They're not a winning team. We knew this going in. We knew they'd have problems, but they're fighting. And I know one of these weeks they're going to come up snake eyes. So every time you go in and say, I'm going to take the Lions, you're putting that at risk. And, yeah, they came up with snake eyes for me. In a they, may have to go, they may have to go on the famous do not pick list for the rest of the season. Anyway, you were you took a collar 0-3. Uh, your pros, you need some work. You're 8-13, overall 17-25. and 25. I gave you another winning week in pros. I'm just on fire in pros. I had the Bills. I got fortunate at the end of that game. They, they threw one on with a couple of minutes left. They didn't yes. play well. But they did cover 14. You cashed the ticket against the, against the Dolphins. Uh, I gave you the Saints as an outright winner against Tampa. Uh, they just have Brady's number, and they're playing good defense. They're opportunistic, and they're home. I just like them in that spot. And then finally, I went off the uh, – can I still say that off the reservation? I don't mean it in a mean way, but I, 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 took, I took the Washington football team. I kind of tied that together, didn't I? <laughs> I'm like, where, where is he going? <laughs> the Washington football team plus three. They got, uh, they went up and down the field. They managed to continually shoot themselves in the foot, and they lost late at Denver, seventeen ten. So that was my loser. Uh, so I was two and one, but I'm fifteen and six on the season in pro football. Yeah, uh, killing it, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So. Let's see, because, you know, you know, I'm always hesitant. I'm not going to brag. Let's just try to keep the good mojo going. No, and I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll give my college and my NFL picks, and I'll just make our listeners wait for the good stuff. So we'll just oh, that. boy. Okay, well, go okay. Go ahead. All right. College football. Listen, this is what I'm doing this week. It came out with these college football uh, rankings, and, you know, there's hurt feelings. There's things that need to be done by certain teams, and I'm going to play into that. Because uh, I think we're going to get some blowouts. So Ohio State pissed, sitting there at five. You know what? We should have been four. I know Oregon beat us, but what do we need to do? We need to be impressive. And Nebraska is not impressive. Nebraska's sitting there waiting for the blowout. Ohio State is a 
is a 15 point favorite in this game. I mean, I like that all day long. I mean, Ohio yeah. State's, yeah, Ohio you're not State's worried about something. Nebraska playing good at home. You think this is just they're overmatched here talent wise? Huh? Yeah, like Ohio State's going to play to their talent level. Gotcha. Um, and it's exceedingly better than than what Nebraska's got. <laughs> that <going>. it is. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to go with that. Who else got dumped on? Um, or at least feels like they've been dumped on. It's our guys in Cincinnati. We talked about them. Uh, what do you have to do? Blow Tulsa out. Let's just start with that. Tulsa's three and five. Coming to your house, you're eight no. Um, Luke Fickle's um, motivation speech will be easy this week. I'm sure practice was very spirited. Look how they're taking a crap on you. They don't think you're very convincing. You can't go and say all that, feel all that, and make all the tweets that have been tweeted and then go out there and skirt by Tulsa. All right. You've done that a couple times this year. You see how it's cost you. You got to go punch Tulsa in the face repeatedly. And um, I think they do that as a 22 and a half point favorite. That looks like blowout city to me staying in that theme. Um, you know what, Alabama, you don't find yourself at number two very often. And if there's one team that I think Nick Saban likes to beat down on it's LSU. And last week it was well known that LSU didn't have enough players to scrimmage. Oh, I'm starting to, I'm starting to rethink this whole thing of having Ed Ogeron finish out the year at LSU. It's just really lame duckness. And I'm just not sure what they're going to get. What I saw was they came out with some fight a couple of weeks ago, right after the announcement against Ole Miss. And when that thing flipped the other way, they just didn't have anything for it. And I just don't know how LSU is going to come into this game with any amount of moxie um, spunk or any of that. And Alabama needs to go twist people's cap sideways. Not that they're going to move up in the rankings at all. I just think for them, for their own psyche, they need to beat LSU and they don't always, they don't really need an excuse to pound LSU because you know, what's our point spread there. It's a big, I think it's, it's 28 and a half and I don't mind it. Uh, because you know what? LSU talked big trash a couple of years, the borough year, they talked big trash. Alabama still hasn't forgotten even last year. So, so recap those three for us. You're giving a lot of points this week. Recap them. I'm a big chalk guy. Ohio State, minus 15 on the road at Nebraska. I like Cincinnati at home by 22 and a half against Tulsa. And the Crimson Tide at home trying to smash in the face of LSU uh, by 28 and a half points. Now slide over to the guys who pay who play for pay. Well, I should say that. They all play for pay anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. All right. I am going to go to the NFL, and I'm going to take what I think is a live dog at home. I think we've fallen a little bit too much in love with the New England Patriots. All right? They're they're a decent team. They're doing okay with Mac Jones. um, And they just got to win at the Chargers, who, you know, we're coming to realize are a little bit of an overrated football team right now. Uh, so you had a really super big blowout win a couple of weeks ago against a division rival. Um, if you can use that word rival when you're talking about the Jets, then you go to L.A. and you beat the Chargers. So it gives reason for people to go overboard with you. And when you're going to Carolina against a 4-4 four and four team, which the Patriots are 4-4 four and four in your lane, um, more than a field goal, I think you're out over your skis. So I'm going to take Carolina um, at home as a, a strong football team. They can play good football. And I'm going to take them as a four-point underdog. Um, the Denver Broncos are playing your team. Sorry, I got to fade mm-hmm. the Cowboys this week. Okay. Um, I think they're going to be a little too giddy and happy over what they were able to accomplish with the backup quarterback this week. I know it looks like the odd makers are. Nine and a half point favorites. 
I don't like it. I think that's that's ten money. now. So don't don't rip yourself off. Get yourself oh, an extra yeah, half I, well, point. You I, got I ten. Definitely, I definitely don't need to do that. Um, but I think there's a little bit extra cheese put on this thing because the Cowboys were able to win without um, their starting quarterback. There might be a little bit too much put on them there, and they may. Oh, I, I agree. I think I think people don't realize NFL games with you know double digits. Look at the scores. It's it's they're most games, even when good teams play average teams, are not decided by double digits. So yeah, and I think the Broncos really, really need to come to a reckoning on their season here. And they can't be ten point underdogs at four and four and get blown out. So I think they're you're you're gonna get a really good fight out of the Denver Broncos. So this is uh, I think a nip and tuck game. They're capable of playing some some pretty good defense. And so I think we've got a closer game than the odds makers think. And then you know what? Um, I kind of threw you guys a little deep move there with the Packers and the Chiefs. It is one of my picks, and I'm definitely taking the Packers. I talked about this with the Chiefs, um, and you mentioned it as well. There isn't any team that you would like the Chiefs by seven and a half points. I think that's what we're talking about here, by seven and a half points um, over in, in you know in the NFL right now. And this is the Green Bay Packers. I watched live, much to my chagrin, this Packers team without two, three receivers um, go get the job done against the Arizona Cardinals on the road. Now, I know Aaron Rodgers is the guy, perhaps the best quarterback in the NFL. He's going to be out. I think there's enough around Jordan Love coming in here, and I think uh, there's enough smarts um, in that coaching staff to make this thing happen and keep it a close football game. Um, they certainly know how to keep a, a you know quarterback on the sidelines. I watched them do it last week and make this a game that comes down to the to the end. And if that's the case, seven and a half points is too much for Kansas City. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna look take at you the, just uh, flipping the script in the NFL. You give all the points in college and you scoop them up and take them in the NFL. That's me, Carolina plus four, um, Green Bay plus seven and a half, and I'm um, thank you for that half point. I'm gonna take the Broncos plus ten against your Cowboys. You know, I I don't want to just tell our listeners this. I'm not just saying this. This guy, and I'm going to tell the story next week when we have some time. I'm going to tell the story. This guy is actually a really good handicapper. I don't know what's happening this year, but I'm going to tell the story of how we met, how we met 20-some years ago. I'm going to tell people the story. We'll, We'll take five or six minutes out. They'll enjoy that when we get to the pick section next week. So stay tuned for that. Let me, let me roll my picks out for you. Um, Somebody just got a new contract in college football, and that would be P.J. Fleck. He'll be staying at Minnesota. Um, I watched Illinois try to play offense one afternoon when they played Penn State a couple weeks ago. And I'll be honest, no offense to the kid. I know he's trying. There's guys in South Florida playing high school football that are better quarterbacks than what they got at Illinois right now. Okay? Good Lord. And And I'm confident of that. Okay? I will gladly lay 14 and a half points here with a giddy gopher team, happy that their coach is staying, a guy they, they love that's turned the program around. I think they're six and two, seven and two, six and two. Uh, I'll give 14 and a half. I think they get a blowout win in this game against Illinois. Look at you jumping in the chalk bath. <laughs> I am jumping in the chalk bath, bath, but not for long. You know, okay. there's another ranked opponent. Seven and one Oklahoma State is rolling into Morgantown, West Virginia. And once again, they're going to give the Mountaineers points at home. You, you know are what like I'm going to do? A, uh, suddenly a West Virginia Mountaineer expert. I don't know, but they keep giving me points and they're giving me more than a field goal. They're giving me three and a half at home. Last week, uh, Iowa State went to Morgantown. We just talked about that in the recap section. They got beat 38 31. I expect a close game here. 
But I actually think West Virginia wins outright, or I certainly wouldn't just take three and a half, but I'll take it for good measure just in case they don't. It's going to be a tight ball game. Give me the Mountaineers plus three and a half. And then finally, we talked about another team earlier, uh, Penn State, right? They're going to Maryland, okay? They've lost three of their last four. They made their last stand and actually played pretty well at Ohio State last week and came up short. They just, and this is not the greatest Ohio State team. They're playing a freshman quarterback. I mean, they got dudes, don't get me wrong, but they're not really, really clicking like they, I've seen them past. Penn State still got beat by nine. Now they have to get in a bus and a plane or whatever they're going to do to get down to Maryland. It's not far away. And they got to play Maryland, who's not a bad football team. Maryland's five and three, same record as Penn State, and they're catching 10 points at home. I just see a, a really not a focused Penn State team this week coming off that loss, back-to-back road games, not playing for much, not what they expected. Give me Maryland in 10. All righty. Okay. So we got Minnesota minus 14 and a half, West Virginia plus three and a half, Maryland plus 10. Let's slide over to the pros. Chad, this is we're going to have a two-star on this game because you and I see this one exactly the same. Okay. I see... I see no reason for the Patriots to be giving points in a game that I really don't expect much scoring. I think these are solid defensive football teams that tend to struggle most weeks on offense. Um, as you said, the Chargers may be a little overrated. They got a lot of talent, but they haven't seemed to put it together. Patriots get a big win last week. Now they go to Carolina. They're given four. Give me the four. I think Carolina hangs in there. This, this seems like a game that gets decided by a little guy with a barefoot in the old days. I don't know, do they wear no, shoes not, now? Now the, wear shoes, the, don't they? Not the barefoot guy. Yeah, there's a, there's a shoe for everything now. So They're all wearing shoes, okay? So give me the Panthers. Next team. There's a team that just hasn't quite figured out how to be a good team yet, but they are a good team. That's the Cincinnati Bengals. But they did a very bungle thing last week. They were the bungles when they went on the road as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite and lost to the Jets and Mike White. Uh, a lot of people in survivor pools were not happy last week. Uh, now yeah. they come home, <laughs> okay, and they play a Browns team that I think is far short of the mark. You know, we've talked about it on other episodes. The Browns were expected to do some big things this year. Chad did not believe in them, to his credit, and uh, they're a 4-4 four and four football team, and they're only getting two and a half points. Mm, I'm going to take Cincinnati here. I think Cincinnati is the better Team. I think they're the legitimate threat in this division to the Ravens, not the Browns. And I think they show you that on Sunday. So give me the Bengals minus two and a half. All right. And here's a game where, you know, there's not a, a worse guy for a primetime game than Kirk Cousins. Okay. Oh, primetime Kirk. Yes. He, I call him checkdown Kirk. Everybody goes, oh, he doesn't throw many interceptions because he never throws the ball. He's got receivers that are as good as any in the league. And this guy's throwing passes sideways on primetime games. But here's the thing. This game kind of is perfect for him. One o'clock on a Sunday against the Ravens. Okay. The Vikings are, because of what they did Sunday against Dallas, now I think they're giving a little too much cheese here. I think it's an interconference game. I think the Vikings have weapons. I think they're the kind of team that can score and make this a pretty close game where they get in a little bit of a track meet. I expect in the end the Ravens to win the game because the Vikings will figure out a way to lose. But I also expect the Vikings to be in the game. And I'm going to take the six points in Minnesota at Baltimore. 
So you're telling me you're taking Minnesota in college and Minnesota in the NFL? Yeah, I just, yes. I mean, I don't know. It just, it, it worked out that way, but I, you know, I just, you know how it was, that's one of those picks to me, Chad, where I, I think everybody runs from the Vikings this week because of what they saw a backup quarterback do on Sunday. And I think you got to remember, this is a Vikings team that isn't bad. They just don't know how to win your Cardinals, yeah. your son's team. They beat them 34, 33. They missed an extra point. They missed a 38 yard field goal to win it. That's Minnesota Vikings football but they tend to hang in the game. I think you're taking the Vikings for similar reasons that I'm fading the Cowboys, you know? Um, so, you know, I get that. I, I totally get that. Um, but who yeah. am I to say I like all these picks? You know, what do I know? <laughs> anyway, um, that, that's this man's beating down. He doesn't have his confidence. No, trust me. When I lay a pick out there, I'm confident about it. And that thing's going to win until it's not. That's for damn sure. So um, I'm just paying homage to you. You're really, really on fire. So, uh, I, I'm looking forward to that continuing and we'll see how this whole thing falls out. All right. That's it for us here, folks. You got your college stuff. You got your NFL stuff. You got the picks. And, um, you know, I told you guys why the chiefs suck right now. So we've, we've hit it all yes. here on the, we, we've hit it all, definitely hit it all here on the show. And again, before you guys check out, if you're not yet a subscriber of the show, go ahead and do that right now on whatever uh, platform you're listening to us on, find that subscribe button, go ahead and hit it. So, you get that nice little notification the next time we jump on here in these mics and uh, spit these facts at you guys. You need to be notified. You know, everyone else is notifying you. So go ahead and jump on there and, and subscribe. And uh, again, if you do want to reach us here on the show, if you're on Anchor, you can leave us a voice message. Still looking forward to getting our first one of those. Or you can email the show, Wilson at gridironstuds.com. All right, that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'm looking forward to this weekend. I hope you are too. Enjoy the picks, enjoy the games. And until next week, I'm Chad Wilson for Amo Calamino. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. See you next week.